Go ahead and have a seat. Tell the person on your right, it's good to be in the presence of God. Tell the person on your left, I'm going to have big ears today. Mickey Mouse ears, yes, big ears, big ears. Uh, hey, it's good to be with y'all today. Uh, I'm excited, uh, not only because it's the third service, uh, that's great, uh, but today we're going to continue uh, the vision series. Uh, so the question though I have is, is why do we need to take three weeks out of the year and go over a vision? Good question, right? I think, I think we should ask that question. Uh, how many of you work for a company or work for an organization that has a vision statement? Any of you n- know that? Yeah, good, raise your hand. Uh, how many of you have a vision statement that probably some suits in some corporate building downtown put together and throw it on a wall and it means nothing to your day-to-day life? Anybody else in the room ever work for that kind of company? Yeah. Um, so here, here's the great news. Uh, that is probably true. It is true. I've, I've lived that. Here's the thing, though. This is what I love about the church is that the church is a redeeming agent. And I, I believe that the church has the ability to redeem, including the redemption of vision, of a vision. And, and so I, I believe that it's valuable for us to say, what is our vision? Because at the heart of, uh, of vision, this is what it is. It's intended to align a group of people so that we can move forward together. At the heart of vision is an anchor that anchors us to what we believe God has called us to. And so if you call this place your church home, which I hope you do, and if you're considering it, maybe today will help you. But if, if you call this place your church home, we want to make sure that we know what is the vision for the church because we're asking all of us to move in the same direction. And I believe this is deeply biblical. That's why in Amos chapter 3, verse 3, uh, probably a book you don't necessarily spend a lot of time in, uh, Amos chapter 3, it has this one little nugget of uh, profound, profoundness. Uh, it's a new word. Here's the question. Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? That's a, that's a great question. Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? Uh, the answer is, is no. You can't do that, right? So if you and I, if we want to go take a walk and you join me and we walk out of here, but we don't know where we're going, maybe you go off to the bathroom and as a guy, like we don't go to the bathroom together, so I'm going to make a right and we're not going to go in the same direction because we didn't agree to begin with. But but if you and I come together and we say, hey, this is what we're going to do, we're actually going to go out in the parking lot and we're going to serve in the parking lot team. Hey, don't you guys love our parking lot team, by the way? Aren't they amazing? Like, so good. So good. Uh, and if you need a place to serve, let me tell you, man, a great place to do that. But if we say, hey, let's go out to the parking lot team, we have a vision for where we're going. We've agreed, okay, we are going out to the parking lot, and we can then walk together because we have first agreed on the direction. And so this is why we have a vision for Bayou City Fellowship, because we want to agree on what is God called Bayou City Fellowship to do, to be, to go. And so the reason we're doing this whole vision series is to make sure that we are all in alignment and we are all moving in the same direction. And, and last week, Curtis kicked off the series, and he just blew the top off of this place with our primary focus. Our first focus, if we don't get anything else right, uh, number one vision is we are going to have a radical focus on Jesus. Amen? Okay, I'm going to go over here. Uh, we are going to have a radical focus on Jesus. Amen? Because we believe that Jesus is the king. We believe that he is Lord of Lord, that he came to provide salvation for us, to restore a relationship with us and the Father. We can only come to the Father through Jesus. That the scriptures say that someday, one day, not today probably, but maybe today, 
that every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That means he is preeminent. He is above all things. He is first and foremost. He is the head of the church. And so if we don't do anything else right at this church, we're going to make sure we have a radical focus on Jesus. Simple church focused radically on Jesus. But, but here's the thing. If we really embrace that, if we don't just give that lip service, if we don't just have this hypothetical, like that's a great vision, but that doesn't connect with me, if we just have this hypothetical, then we're not going to do anything. But if we really do embrace this vision, we're going to be about Jesus, then what I know is that that vision cannot be contained to the four walls of the church. That if we really are going to focus on Jesus, we can't contain him to a place that if we really are focused and all about Jesus, that it will flow from this church building or group of odd buildings and filter its way out into our city and out into the world. We won't be able to contain it. If we really embrace this vision of being radically focused on Jesus, it will lead us to benefit other people. Now, now, Robbie and I, we were sitting back here a couple of months ago, and he was sharing about this study that he read. And in this last couple of weeks, I went and read this study. It was a study that was done by Lifeway. They are a great bookstore, but they not only are a bookstore, they also do some studying of, of churches and how things work. And so uh, they did a study on dying churches. Can you imagine if, if my employer comes to you and says, hey, I want you to do a new project. Oh, yeah? What is it? Uh, I want you to study dying churches. Hooray. Like, that sounds like a lot of fun. Not really, but he studied churches, and hundreds if not thousands of churches, he looked at why are churches dying? That means why are they shrinking? Why are less people going to them? And there were lots of reasons why they said this. Some were because pastors did some really stupid things. Maybe infidelity, maybe they made some bad choices, and because of that it hurt people. Or maybe there's a theological point that just divided the church, and so the church just couldn't reconcile. But what they found in this study of hundreds of churches is that the commonality between all churches that were dying was this one thing, that all of them became inward-focused. Every one of them. They failed to look outside of the church, and they began to just protect kind of what they had. And so let's say, man, I got 100 people, and I feel like we're not growing, and so I'm just going to protect my people. I'm going to feed into my people. I'm going to do everything for my people. I'm going to protect this house. Under Armour commercial. And so they protect it, and they say, all we're going to worry about is this. But when they do that, what they don't realize is that they're actually expediting their death. Because you and I know that the Scripture says that the church was not given for the church. The church, what Jesus Christ is the head of, was given for the world. You're the salt of the world. You're the light of the world, not the light of the church. You see, the lifeblood of the church is we are put in the world, in the middle of darkness, to redeem the world, not to focus on ourselves. And so what we see is when churches just say, okay, it's about me. How can I protect what I've been given? How do I keep this? They actually begin to die exponentially quicker. And so we don't want to be that kind of church. And how many of you are glad that Bayou City Fellowship is not a dying church, it's an alive church? Amen? Amen. And, and honestly, I think one of the major reasons, besides the grace of God, because five years is purely grace that we're still here and doing the work of God and his presence here. But I think one of the main reasons God has been pouring out his spirit on us is because we don't focus on ourselves. 
And that's why our vision says that we're not going to be about ourselves. We're going to be about other people. And one of the things that drew me to Bayou City Fellowship, now remember, I was a member before I was ever on staff. I moved from Ohio down here, came to the church one time. My wife and I are crying during worship because we felt the presence of God. And we said, this is where we're going. We didn't visit one other church. Honestly, this is embarrassing. I've never been to another church in Houston. I really haven't. Other churches, other places, but not in Houston. So we came here. We said, God is working here. We want to be here. And so what I loved about Bayou City Fellowship is that the main focus of Bayou City Fellowship is not our Sunday gatherings. Like, this is good, and and I'm glad you came, and Curtis is really glad that you came. We all are glad we came, and I hope you're glad that you came, but this is not our focus of our church. The focus of our church is to propel each of us to leave this place and go and minister into the world. This is not the... In this is the beginning. This is a launching pad to, to go. As you go into the world, as Matthew 28, the Great Commission says, as you go into the world. So, so the lifeblood of Bayou City Fellowship, we're not about us. We're a people that are wrecked by God, and we want to take that to the world. And so our, our hope is that Sunday mornings, all that we say, all that we do, all that we pray, all that we sing, and all that we experience would impact and influence everything And everyone that we encounter when we leave this place and go into our families and go into our world. Because because what I believe and what I see in Scripture is that a radical focus on Jesus, it always flows into benefiting somebody else. So today, if you're taking notes, the the title, the tagline, vision number two is, we're going to be a people that work for the good of our city and our world. We're going to be a people that work for the good of our city and our world. And so I think whenever we're talking about this, we should always ask, you know, where did this vision come from? Did we just pull that out of the hat and say, this sounds good, let's do it? Was this in some church growth strategy book that we read? Uh, is it biblical? Great. Is, is it biblical? That should always be a question on Sunday morning when somebody's preaching. Does that align with Scripture? If I hear from God, does that align from Scripture? And then when I talk about does it align with Scripture, what I always say is, does Jesus say anything about it? Because I I believe what Dallas Willard, uh, I believe, quoted, he said that Jesus is perfect theology. And so if I have some theological uh, framework that doesn't align with the life and words of Jesus, then I'm on slippery slopes. Jesus is perfect theology. So we say, man, did Jesus, does the scripture say anything about us working for the good of our city? And what I find and when I look at scripture is that it's all through the scripture. It's actually one of the main themes for the people of God. If you have a Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, we're going to pick up where God calls out Abram. This is before he's Abraham. And so this is the first time we really meet Abram, and God is speaking to him, and he's uh, really making a covenant, or he's proclaiming some things that are going to happen in Abram's life. And so we pick up in this dialogue between Abram and God in verse number 1 of chapter 12. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. Now, now stop right there. Did you see what happened? He said, I am going to do some amazing things. I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to make your name great. And all of us say, yes, Lord, let that be the case in my life. But here's the purpose. So that. that. So that means, hey, this is why I'm doing this. It's going back to the previously stated. He said, this is why I'm going to make you great, and this is why I'm going to bless you, so that you will be a blessing. Verse 3, it says, I will bless those who bless you, and 
Him who dishonors you I will curse. Now listen. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now what God is telling Abram, he's saying, listen, I'm going to just pour out my blessing upon you. And the purpose is not just to lift you up and to make you feel good about yourself. I'm going to pour out my blessing so that you can be a river and not a reservoir. See, God is looking for rivers, not lakes. He, he wants to bless you in order for you to funnel that, to bless somebody else. And so he says, listen, Abram, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great so that you can be a blessing. And what we see here in, in, in chapter 28, if you have your Bible, you can flip there. It's not going to be on the screen. In, in 28, he's speaking to Jacob, who is the grandson of Abram. And it says this in verse 14, your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. In you and in your offspring. Now, here's, here's the thing. You may be saying, Derek, this is not a Jewish church. I get that. I'm not Jewish. Hopefully, there's some Jews in here. I'm not. I don't have that heritage. We have a few, I think. But, but many of us are saying, like, Derek, how does this apply to me? The descendants of Abram, like, he was Israel. The people of God, I'm not Jewish, so what's this have to do with Here's what it has to do with you. It has everything to do with you. Because when Jesus came on the scene, he ushered in a new covenant, a new way. And, and what he says is, if you follow me, and if I am your Lord, you are now grafted into the family of God. There is now neither Greek nor Jew. Now you are one if you follow me. And so for you and me, when I trust Jesus with my life and I make him a decision to make him Lord and I submit to his ways and I'm under his authority, what happens is I'm grafted into the family of God. I become a son and daughter of the king. And because of this, these words that we just read about being the descendants that go and bless you and I, it's our inheritance to be a blessing to the entire world. Like this Genesis matters to you because you are going to be the fulfillment of the prophecy that the father gave to Abram that in him and in his offspring shall bless the entire world. And so we see this, that through Abram and now through us, the followers of Jesus Christ, we are fulfilling, we are to bless the families of the world to all those that we come in contact with. And then we fast forward to the New Testament and we see Mark chapter 12, 31, and Jesus is teaching and he takes this topic of blessing and he says this, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said that. Now, now this word love is not a word that just means I got this gushy feeling like when I pick up a puppy dog, it's just sweet and cuddly. Like that's not the kind of love we're talking about here. It's not the kind of love that I have when I go on a date with a really pretty girl and I just feel kind of bubbly inside. That's not the kind of love that we're talking about. This kind of love is a decision followed by an action. It's I'm going I'm to choose and then I'm going to do this kind of love requires sacrifice, requires putting the other person's needs in front of my own. And he says, this is what you're going to do. You're going to bless your neighbor. You're going to love your neighbor. You're going to benefit your neighbor. You're going to work for the good of your neighbor. And your neighbor is anyone who you cross paths with, anyone who you have influence over. Any person that you are in relationship with becomes your neighbor. And so we, as people of Jesus Christ are following this. He says, you will love your neighbor as yourself. And so we see the Old Testament pulls forward. You'll bless all the world. And what's Jesus say? You'll be a blessing. You'll, you'll love. You are to love your neighbor. And then we get to Ephesians chapter 2. If you've got your Bible, flip over there. Ephesians chapter 2, Paul uh, lays it out a little clearer. 
And he says in chapter 2, verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not on your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. So, so just so it's clear here, none of us have anything that we're bringing to the table that makes us more loved by God. Like your church attendance, your leading Bible studies, your tithing, that doesn't make you more loved by God. Amen? Because we do these things because we're loved, not to get loved. You are loved. Loved enough that he died for you on the cross. You are loved. And so we operate and do these things out of a place of love, not to try to earn his love. And so any of us in this room, go ahead and drop the ego. He says it's not by anything you've done. It's by faith and by grace that you have been saved. And then Sometimes we struggle to get to this last verse here because we're so enamored by that, and it's, it's, it's enamored. We should be enamored by those first two verses, but then we get to verse 10, and it says, but you are his workmanship. You are his workmanship. Every person in this room is made in the image of God. Whether you receive that or not, you've been made in the image of God and made for relationship with God. And he says then, created in Christ Jesus for good works. So listen, your inheritance as Abram, our forefather, Jesus saying, love your neighbor. And what we see here that we are created to do good works. And so we ask the question, is it biblical for our vision to say, go to the world and our city and work for its good? The answer is a resounding yes. Yes, that's actually our inheritance. It's our purpose. It's what God has given us to do. And so then we have to say, well, what does that look like? What does that look like here at Bayou City Fellowship? And as I've hung around Curtis Jones, our our senior pastor, here's some things that he said around this piece of the vision. He said, we want Bayou City Fellowship to be a positive contributor to our neighborhood and the surrounding community. We don't want to just be a door mat. We don't want to just be a null. We, we want to actually be actively benefiting those around us in our neighborhood. We want Bayou City Fellowship to be known in the community and for the community to be glad that we are here. Think about that. The, the community to be glad that Bayou City Fellowship meets here. And if for some reason we ever pulled out of Cyprus, which we have no desire to, we have no desire to leave Cyprus, but if we did, would there be a gap? Would there be a void in our absence because they feel less blessed because Bayou City Fellowship doesn't call this place home? I mean, that's what it should look like. We should be that kind of positive contributor to our community, to our neighborhoods, and specifically to Cyprus in this context. And so working for the good, it really boils down to providing a benefit. Providing a benefit, a spiritual and a physical benefit. So I I definitely want to see people come to know God, but what I know is that there are needs that people have that also need to be met. And so I want to be a benefit both physically and spiritually. And we see this in in Matthew 5, 16. It says, let them see your good works and give glory to your Father. So your good works, the physical things we do, should lead then to spiritual benefit. Let them see your good works, the things that you're doing at your workplace, the things that you're doing in the city, and let that speak so that they would give glory to your Father. You see the link. It's not one or the other. It's both in. We work for the good spiritually. We also work for the good of our physical world. And you say, what kind of things? And so here's just an example list. This is not all-inclusive. It may look like serving others. It may look like being generous with your finances. It may mean you are encouraging 
right here. This guy's an amazing, amazing encourager. It may be look like you're engaged with education or, compare, or compassion or care, meeting physical or health needs, demonstrating integrity and respect, or, or maybe it means that you create beauty. Now, this is why I love this. She is really worshiping God right now with the gift that he has given her. And she is painting this beautiful picture of Jesus at the Last Supper where he is washing his disciples' feet. He goes low. He bows down. He shows them what it looks like to work for the good of those around them. And so she is creating beauty, and that beauty is bringing glory to God. Because how many of you know even all the colors that God created, all of them were made to bring him glory? Just think about that. All the creativity in the world, all the gifts like she has right here— is made to point us to the creator. And so maybe your gifting is creativity. Maybe it's the arts. Maybe it's to sing. Maybe it's to make music. All of those could be included in what it looks like to work for the good of our city and world. And you say, what do all these things have in common? Like, what are these things I said? All of them are aspects of the kingdom of God. All the things that it is listed, serving, generosity, integrity, encouragement, all of these are things that you would experience if you were in the presence of of God. And so what are we doing? Ultimately, working for the good of our city and the world means that we are co-laboring with God to bring about his kingdom. I'm going to say that again. What we are doing ultimately is working for the good of our city and our world, which means that we are co-laboring with God to bring about his kingdom. So the atmosphere of heaven, the reality of heaven will become a reality on earth. And so whenever a homeless man receives a meal and a drink and a conversation, heaven breaks in. When a child is mentored and told that they are valued and loved, heaven breaks in. When we offer to pray for a coworker, and then we actually do it, heaven breaks in. When we choose integrity over commission at work, heaven breaks in. When we found and start businesses that hire people, Heaven breaks in. When we have a conversation with someone trying to learn English at an ESL class, heaven is breaking in. And so our vision at Bayou City is to partner with God to see his kingdom demonstrated on this earth for the good of our city and our world. And our strategy to do that is very similar to a strategy of college football. Uh, Any college football fans? Some of you just woke up. That's great. Good to have you back. College football. I just said it. Uh, Do we have any Aggies in the house? Any Aggies? Come on. A big game last week. Uh, Any Longhorn fans in the house? Yeah, yeah, you had a great win on Saturday because you didn't play anybody, which is great. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. In football, if you want to be really good over time, if you want to be uh, at the top of the league, at the top of the NCAA standings over decades or a decade, then you've got to be twofold. You've got to have a two-pronged attack. You've got to have a good offense, and you have to have a good defense. You can't just have one or the other. You ask Texas Tech and Baylor how that works out for them. Not so well. Great offense, very little defense. See, if you have one or the other, you can last for a little while, and you can make it look good for a little while, but over the long haul, you're not going to have the consistency. You're not going to be champions over and over again, and so the same is true for us as a church. If our vision really is to work for the good of our city and our world, then it cannot be just one or the other. It's got to be corporately we do this, but also individually. It's got to be we do things as a whole, but also when we leave this place and you go into your workplace, into your home, you also are working for the good of our city. And so we'll start out with corporate, corporately. What are we doing? If you're saying, Derek, how do I get plugged into the church? I want to work for the good of our city and our world, but what do I do? Here's a a list we've got of things right now our church is engaged in. 
And maybe one of these would resonate with you, and you can go out here and you can read and find out some more how to get plugged in. So Boys and Girls Country, great organization that we partner with. SciFair Helping Hands, Helping the Homeless in Cyprus. Do you believe that there's, there's over 200 kids in the Cyprus school district that does not have a home? Homeless. 200 kids in this suburb that don't have a home. And so this organization partners and helps and provides, and so maybe that's stirring in you. Maybe you want to help there. Uh, English is a gateway, ESL. Now listen, this has been so great. Our church is so good. We actually don't have a volunteer opportunity right now in ESL because so many of you have raised your hand and said yes. But here's the good thing. In about 8 to 12 months, we're going to have another big round. And in 8 to 12 months, you can help us out because we're going to grow this thing and we're going to bless more and more people and work for the good of our city. Or maybe today you have orphan care on your mind or this organization called Moses Closet where we help those that are fostering and, and helping orphans in our city and around the world. Maybe that stirs with you. Great opportunity. Or this next to last one, the landing. You know that, that Houston is one of the hubs for the sex trade trafficking in the world. And by the way, we have the Super Bowl coming to town. And the track record shows that when the Super Bowl comes to town, the sex trafficking in- industry skyrockets. And so the landing provides a safe place for these women to engage and to find hope. And so today, if you're like, man, I, I feel conviction. I just don't even know what to do. Then maybe you start volunteering at the landing. And the last one is true at middle school. Because how many of you know uh, one of the hopes of our nation is the next generation? And so, man, if we're not feeding into these guys, we're, we're going to lose a whole nation. And so this is an opportunity for us to mentor, come alongside teachers, and come alongside students to, to let them know that they're loved and they have a place in this world. And so, man, maybe if you've got something, maybe one of these things would, would be it, where we want to work for the good as a corporate and actually, next week, we've got a great opportunity. Next, next Sunday is an opportunity. We've got an organization called Every Village. Uh, Every Village is an organization that works primarily in South Sudan. And so if you're saying, how do I make a world impact? Here it is. In South Sudan, they take these radios and they put them in the hands of little tiny communities that have no access to, muni- to communication. So they get these radios, they give it to these uh, communities out in the middle of nowhere, and in that they have beneficial things like what's going on weather-wise, what are some community activities that are going on, so, so beneficial things that would help everybody, but at the same time, these radios also proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it's twofold, spiritual and, and just practical, twofold. And so next week, they're going to be on our church premises, and they're going to have a table out there, and what we can do is we can sign up, and we can actually fund some radios to go. And so here's the challenge that I've challenged the other two services. If you say, how can I help? What about this week? What about that one day you usually eat out as a family? What if you just say, hey, kids, um, I hate to burst your bubble, but, but we're going to actually fast from eating out today. That doesn't sound very American, but we might do it today. And instead of eating out and going to the restaurant that we love, which, God bless them, they're great, but we're going to just eat peanut butter and jelly tonight. And the money difference that we save, we're going to bring and we're going to buy some radios as a family. How amazing would that be where you demonstrate what your kids, for your kids, what it looks like to love and to serve and to be good and to work for good for the globe. And so next week, you do that. I think they're like $20 a piece. Maybe you can buy three, four. Maybe you can buy 100. Maybe you can buy one. Or maybe you can buy half of one. I don't know. But what would it look like is us as a corporate body, we said, we're going to work for the good of South Sudan, and we're going to provide some radios. You have an opportunity. But not only are we just a corporate attack, but we're also an individual attack. Corporate, individual. So it starts when we leave this building What's it look like for you to work for the good of the city in this world? It starts in your own homes. It starts with your kids. It starts with your relationships. It starts with your friendships. And it keeps going from there. It starts with your neighborhood. It starts with 
your street. It starts with your place of work. What's it look like for you to work for the good of those that are around you when you leave this place, when you are on your own? What does that look like for you? If I showed up on your street and I went around to your neighborhood, what would they say about you as a neighbor? Would they say, man, I, I like the guy, but he needs to mow his yard a little bit more. He's kind of looking a little shady. Would they say, hey, I don't even know the guy. I just see him. They go straight in their house and they leave. Like, I don't even know him. I've been here five years and I've never even met the guy. Or, or would they say, no, I, I am glad that he is my neighbor. He's a benefit to me in lots of ways. Would they say that? Because that's what it should be. Or if I stopped any of your place of work and we held a, a 360 review. Some of you know what that means. And I set you down and I just asked your coworkers to rate you and to give me some feedback about who you are. What would they say about you? Would they say that you are a benefit to the atmosphere at work, the workplace? Are you a net positive? Or when you're not there, are they giving high fives and praising God that you're not there? <laughs> like when you take that trip to the Bahamas, are they cheering? because Not because you're in the Bahamas, they love that because you're not there to mess up their work. Seriously. What would your neighbors, what would your workplace, the place where you spend most of your awake hours, what would they say about you? Are you a net positive? Are you working for the good of the relationships that you have in your life? Because here at Bayou City Fellowship, not only do we value you as a created being in the image of God, we also value what God has called you to do in this season in your vocation. We speak life into that. We have a lot of value for what God's called you to. Because here's the thing. In our discipleship, the way we want to try to grow uh, our, our believers, is the end game is not to have you go to seminary and become a pastor. Like, that's not the end game. And some of you are like, amen. Not happening. The, the end game is not to, to have you go be a missionary, although that could be the case. That's not the end game. Our, our primary objective and our goal is to equip you not to minister in the church, but for you to be equipped to minister outside of the church. Where you push your time clock, where you find your time serving your children, where you go to work and you bless lots of kids in your classroom. We want you to be ministers, not just in the church, but primarily outside of the church. And when I made the decision to leave the corporate world and to come into full-time vocational ministry, it was a struggle for me. I wrestled with the Lord, and to be honest with you, there are times when I still wrestle with the Lord because I loved working in the midst of people that were lost. And, and I love meeting with you guys. I, I do. So don't take me wrong. I love meeting with you. But there's something about people that have no idea who Jesus is and, or who know him and know, want nothing to do with him. And so when I was working in manufacturing, we had Bible studies and we'd have some great conversation. We saw some guys' lives turned around. And so we'd have that. But then I would go talk to other groups of people in my same workplace that had nothing to do with the Bible study. And I would say, what's the deal? What's, what's, why won't you come to our Bible study? Why won't you come and chat uh, as we pray or whatnot? What's the deal? And he said, Derek, here's the thing you got to know is, is the guys that show up and talk a big game about Jesus are some of the worst workers at our workplace. Like they have the hat that says Jesus saves. It looks so cool, flat and everything. It's good. And they've got a big bumper sticker. Actually, some of them have three bumper stickers on their car. Jesus or hell? But, but, but it makes my job hell working with them. And so I don't want anything to do with them or the Jesus that they talk about so much because they're such bad workers. And, and honestly, I just want to challenge some of you. The way you view work is you see it as a means to an end. And in doing so, you miss out on what God's doing at your place. 
that you miss out on the opportunity for God's kingdom to come because you're so, man, when if I get another job and I got all my eyes on the horizon, I just got to get through this. And in the midst of that, we miss out on working for the good of the community, of our workplace, of our home, because we're so horizon-focused, we're so heaven-focused that we're not any earthly good. And so I want to challenge you. Embrace where God has you in this season of life. Don't wish it away. Don't be hoping for another opportunity and miss your opportunity that you have Monday when you show up to work. Embrace where God has you. Be faithful where he has you. Work for the good of those at your workplace. Don't waste your influence. Don't waste your influence. Embrace it. And so, so we do this. Um, and and I, I can't tell you how to do it, though. As an engineer, I can't tell you, engineer, this is what it looks like. I can't tell the teacher this is what it looks like. I can't tell the business owner what it looks like. It looks different for every single one. But if we pan out a little bit and we look at the big picture and we look at Jesus, I think there's some high-level macro things that we can learn about. What's it look like for me to work for the good of my city and my world? What's it look like for me to work for the good of those around me? Here's a few things if you're taking notes. I want you to turn to 1 John 3 first. Write that down. 1 John chapter 3, all the way back and close to Revelation So if we are going to work for the good of our city, it has to begin with love. It must begin with love because we serve our city through relationships, and what Jesus has called us to do is to love the world. It's got to begin with love. I've got to be willing to sacrifice. I've got to be willing to serve. We can't separate the two. It's got to begin with love. And we see this in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. It says, by this we know love, that he, Jesus, laid down his life for us that we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Now, this word brothers, I studied this because I wanted to know, it's not necessarily in the context of, like, Christian brotherhood, but, but more so the, the thought of a neighbor, okay? So this isn't just saying inside the church. It's actually saying you should be willing to lay down and sacrifice for your neighbor. And then it goes on. It says, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. Now listen, here's three things. If you're going to write anything down today, write this down. Three things. Number one, if we're going to work for the good of our city, we've got to be aware. We've got to grow in our awareness. And it's twofold. We've got to be aware of physically what's going on around us. Who is hurting? Who isn't struggling? Who is downcast? I've got to have eyes up to see what is happening at my workplace and my home. I've got to just have eyes to see. I can't be the Christian that goes and puts my head in the sand and just hopes nothing bad is happening out here. As long as I don't see it, as long as I don't hear it, nothing's happening. No, that's bad theology. Jesus says don't run from evil, but to run into evil to bring light. So we don't want to say, we don't want to know about what's happening in the world. No, we want to embrace it and be aware of what's going on physically around us. And then also we got to grow in our spiritual awareness. What is God doing around me? The question is not, is God doing anything around me? The question is, what is God doing around me? And we see this in Jesus when he lived on this earth. One of the things he did was he saw 5,000 people that were hungry. Now, now, do you think Jesus had to pray about if they were hungry and needed food? No, he didn't need to pray about that. That's physically he saw it. But what he did pray about was, God, the Father, what are you doing? Because I want to join you in what you're doing. And how do you want me to do it? See, Jesus says, I only say what the Father says, and I only do what the Father is doing. You see, Jesus had this amazing awareness physically, but he also had this connection through the Holy Spirit to know what the Father was doing. And we as followers of Jesus should also desire to grow in that. And we grow in spiritual awareness by praying. 
And I don't know about any other way to do it, but we talk to God and we listen to God. We talk to God and we listen to God. And so maybe this week, the one thing you want to start doing is when you close that door of your car, when you get to your place of work, and you say, God, what are you doing here today? Help me to see it. Or maybe you go in to wake your kids up and you take the covers off. And if you're like me, you've got to pick them up and kind of put them on the ground because they don't want to wake up. And maybe you say, God, what are you doing in this little person's heart? How can I partner with you to bring about the kingdom? How can I partner to speak life into them? So we've got to grow in awareness, this physical world, but also the spiritual world. We've got to grow in awareness. And as we grow in awareness, we see in verse 16, he says, but if anyone has the world's good and sees his brother in need. So he says, if you become aware, this is awareness. If you become aware, he says, yet close your heart against him. How does God's love abide in him? And so he says, once you're aware, you've got to make a decision. Am I willing or not? So we got to be growing in awareness, but as we grow in awareness, we got to say, am I willing to join him? And, and that's a hard one for most of us. Really, really challenging. Because if I'm willing, what do I have to do? I've got to die to myself. I've got to check my ego, and I've got to check my fears, and I've got to say, God, I, I submit. I, I trust you. And he says here, if you're not willing to do that, then the love of God does not abide in you, which that's a harsh statement. But sometimes we need to see that statement, that if we're not willing. And so how do we grow in this willingness? We honestly, we wrestle with God. That's how it happens. I'm not willing. And so I'm going to talk to God. I'm going to tell him, God, I really don't want to go into ministry. And I'm going to let him speak my truth into me. I'm going to get into the word. I'm going to be like Jesus when he said, God, my will is this, but not my will. Your will be done. I'm going to grow in submitting. I'm going to trust God. And I'm going to do that through a relationship with God where I'm honest and where I listen back. And then the last piece we're going to close on today is engagement. I can't just be aware and I can't just be willing. I've actually got to engage. Look at the last verse here. It says, little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. So he says, if you're going to work for the good of our city, it can't just be up here hypothetical. Like it's good, but, but, but I don't really want to do that. No, what he says here to love, it actually requires us to do to take a risk, to step out, and to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And so as you're thinking here today, as we just close and get ready for the band to come up here, uh, think of these three things. Are you aware of what's happening around you? Are you aware that God's placed you where he's placed you for a purpose? To bless, to benefit, to work for the good of those around you. Are you then, how willing are you this morning? Maybe today your prayer should be, God, make me more willing. I submit to you. I trust you. And then today, maybe the biggest thing you've got is you've been willing and you've been aware for a long time, but you've never taken a step of faith to actually do something. And as we sing this last song, I just want you to consider where are you today with God? What's God saying to you? What is he challenging you with today? Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for this body of believers, for everyone that's here at this service. I thank you that you uh, say when we go and when we work for the good that you are with us. Thank you that you give us uh, your Holy Spirit to allow us to be more aware of what you're doing, to teach us who you are, to teach us what we're doing in the world. I pray that you would uh, really make us a people that don't just talk a big game about serving and, and working for the good, but we actually do it. We actually do it. In Jesus' name, amen.